Wait, what? Oh, and then he's Sella? I didn't realize all these people were still single. Where did this come from? Plus, we've got a mini final, big time beef, a double elimination, and Derek is still wearing that exact same outfit. All that and more on the Challenge All-Stars Episode 5 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, that's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's podcast, we will be breaking down all of episode five of the Challenge All-Stars, the game. If it has not officially begun before now, it has officially begun now. It is really picked up. The strategy's rolling in. The competition kicks to another beer. There, to another beer. Wow. To another gear. There is a lot to cover. So we're going to dive right on in, hit, go through our chapter by chapter, section by section, recap of the entire episode, hit the awards at the end, a history lesson as the final segment. A lot to cover. Let's get going. Here we go. Let's start at the top. We got everything pre-daily challenge, and yet again, uh, fifth episode in a row, we follow the basic challenge format. We pick up right where the last elimination left off. We have a little time at the house, head to a daily challenge, have some time back, deliberation, cocktail hour, and at the house, and then an elimination. And I hoped coming into this week to try to cut these down a little bit, try to shorten these podcasts just by a touch, but... So many awesome things happen. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe talking a little fast to try to cover it all here. But we jump in section one of the show, pre-daily challenge. A little bit shorter as the daily challenge again went. Took up a bigger chunk of the episode as did a little bit the elimination. So pre-daily challenge. And we open with all of the players reacting and going back over everything that happened with Arissa on the prior episode. And in that elimination that they are coming back from. And... For the players in this moment, as well as it seems like for the producers because of their choice to lead this entire episode with this, the game has kicked up a notch. The competition is officially there. They've all kind of, to more degrees than less, you know, we've talked in past episodes, Jemmy and a few others in the house are, you know, hitting strategy early. But for a lot of these players, they're so excited to be back, so excited just to be around their friends, doing these games again, seeing TJ, having fun, living in the house, all this, that, and the other, that the competition hadn't completely seeped into all of the players' brains. And now from this big group discussion they have, discussing how if anyone else wants to quit classically nehemiah pulls out the classic tj line if anyone else is looking to quit now's the time to do it the game is picked up they all let it be known that the game is officially on and that everyone's coming for each other's throats and i think the producers leading with this is just gonna is just letting the audience know hey it's episode five there's only nine of these and it's been a lot of fun so far. It's going to keep being fun, but it's also going to get a little more serious and a little bit skewed more back towards what we've come used to in the most recent era of the regular season of the challenge with that competition really uh, taking over all aspects of the show. Then we get a moment with Cyrus and Beth take center stage. We are, you know, 
as we cover the the way these are edited, we kind of get the idea of where the episode's going very early on. We get Cyrus and Beth with a back and forth of, I need you here. No, I need you here. If I'm going to be here, you've got to be here. No, I need you here. If you're going to be here, I've got to be here back and forth. And it was a bad omen from the start um, and proved to be just that. But the moment I saw that, it felt like this episode's about Cyrus and Beth. It's about one of them definitely going in and going in. We think it's a male elimination day for sure. So we're thinking Cyrus might be going in from early on. The only other thing to talk about pre-daily elimination is they cut to a group of the guys outside attempting to climb the front of the house. The front kind of pillars in on the front entrance of the house are made out of pretty thick stone that make for a half decent hand grips if you wanted to try to free solo climb it Derek does fails pretty quickly and they just kind of carry him off like he's crowd surfing instead of jumping down then Alton jumps on and we kind of start to realize that Alton who's been very much in the background on these episodes um, this entire season is maybe gonna start taking a little more center stage on this episode but the the real reason I even wanted to talk about this at all is Derek, for the at least third of the five episodes, maybe the fourth, because we know in episode one and two and this one for sure, and I'm having a hard time thinking through episodes three and four if we saw him wearing this specific outfit, his MTV 1991 cutoff and his tie-dye fading into black uh, pants, jogger pants, still wearing them. I don't know if he only brought one outfit, um, Derek, you know how these things work. You know you have to pack. Even I, I mean, they were told it was going to be a much shorter season, but you know, there's still going to be more than a couple days worth of outfits you got to have. So maybe he just loves it. Maybe it's just bringing him good vibes, good energy. But Derek wearing the same outfit for at least the third of the five episodes. Also worth noting, we get our first insinuation that Yasella might be crushing on Alton a bit, which we'll be coming back to a little later on. But um, that's everything for pre-daily challenge. Let's go ahead and transition in into the daily challenge portion of our recap. Diving right on in to the daily challenge, which we find out right away from TJ is going to be a mini final of sorts called connect them all a uh, brief recap of just what they have to do. Three teams of six. They figure out one puzzle. Once that puzzle's done, they run carrying a log as a group, have to stay as a group, get to the second checkpoint where they break from their teams of six down into pairs of two, solve another big puzzle. Once they have solved that puzzle, then as individuals, they pick up their own smaller log and run to the finish line. The distance traveled isn't exactly known. It doesn't, it seems like the first leg of it is a decent distance they have to run between the first two puzzles, but then the part they have to run individually, either they just edit it this way or doesn't seem like it's all that far from that point we also find out before they even start this that there will be no more lifesavers and upon announcing this tj also is just kind of wishy-washy and vague on the rules and does little threatening vague tj which jemmy sums up perfectly for us in our first nominee for quote of the week here is jemmy on tj and what to know when he is being vague Whenever TJ is vague with his words, you have to pay extra attention because some shit is always about to pop off. All right. So as for performances in this daily challenge, I guess the daily challenge first overall thought it was a really good challenge. Um, you know, the calling it a mini final makes me wonder what the final itself is going to be. Uh, again, we don't know how far they ran, but it doesn't seem like 
it's all that far. And in other, you know, in the main uh, seasons of the show, they have in recent years started to do these, aka mini, or quote unquote mini finals, somewhere midway, two court thirds of the way through the season as a daily challenge. And those always have been really intense. I mean, the one on Double Agents was uh, supposedly, uh, I believe it. It was a 10-mile run total. It was a five-mile run um, that the ladies had to do to get into the volcano and then a five-mile run back. So, I mean, a 10-mile run and then whatever the length of their final was, it was kind of like a mini version of a final. So if there's somewhat of a similar ratio, you know, I don't think they ran more than a couple miles here. So maybe that final is going to be, you know, uh, it's certainly going to be less than a regular season of the show is at this point. But... Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how intense that is. But this is a mini final, and we get uh, to kind of check everyone out, see how everyone's doing on the endurance department. Haven't really had anything endurance related yet, and knowing that that will come up in the finals, we get to see what everyone's working with. People worth pointing out. First off, uh, Yasella is the first one to kind of be dying, and she lets us know right away, running ate her thing. In our second nominee for quote of the week, she explains her only association with running. Hisella, take it away. The only thing I know about running is if an alligator is following you, run in zigzag. I'm from Florida. Um. <laughs> then the most surprising person of all to be dying during this challenge is Alton, which... I don't know what the hell is going on here. Obviously, if you've been listening to these recaps, you know I am a huge Alton believer. I think he is one of the greatest athletes that has ever walked this earth. But, man, that opinion took a hit watching this. Again, I don't know how far they had to run. I would have pegged it maybe maybe a mile or two, two miles. I don't know. It didn't seem like it took him all that long. But he's just dying the whole time from the very beginning. And it's not even that he's carrying the log like he just is walk trying to walk next to it with a hand on it and he can't even do that he keeps leaning over keeps falling into beth keeps wanting to stop wanting to fall on the ground and they never explain it he never you know he like owns up that he doesn't do that good in that section later on but he doesn't explain like you know my heart was doing this or uh, I just hadn't drank any water that day. any explanation other than just like, yeah, I didn't do that good, whatever. But very alarming stuff from anyone. If anyone would have been acting like that, you know, um, let's be fair here. If anyone else had acted like that, if that was big, easy, everyone's going to get on him in an instant. If anyone, if it's anyone other than the person, everyone thinks is the best athlete there, they're going to give him a lot more shit for what happens here. And that's why I, getting a little ahead of myself, everything that happens with Cyrus after this fact, totally deserved. I'm totally on team Cyrus as far as um, wondering what the hell happened and kind of putting the blame right here. So Alton does terrible onto people that do really, really well. That'd be Kendall and Latarian who do Latarian gets first overall Kendall and Latarian as a team are the first ones to exit the second puzzle. They both win the last part of the sprint and Kendall yet again is just separating herself even this time with um, coming from Kellyanne herself might even be separating herself from Kellyanne on the physical side is clearly the woman to be in Latarian knows this that's why he picked her immediately to be his partner when they got down to twos and let's hear Latarian put some respect on Kendall's name I grabbed Kendall's hand so fucking fast shit I know what kind of monster Kendall is you're not going to sit there and tell me that the woman that does yoga eight hours a day is soft 
She's a fucking beast. So Latarian and Kendall both absolutely crush it. Latarian really showing out here, handled the running very easily, it seemed. He handled the puzzles very well, which is something I had no idea what his skill level in that was, and was clearly thinking strategy from the start. And he was the one that instantly, the moment they get to the checkpoint and they read break into pairs of two, he just grabs Kendall's hand and runs. There's no discussion. There's no chance if Kendall wants to say no, she can't. That's his partner. So he's thinking strategy. He's got the running. He's doing well in the puzzles. Really big showing for Latarian on this one. Other people worth shouting out. Beth, um, you know, neither does great or bad. I mean, I guess she doesn't do very well because she ends up her and Cyrus, you know, butchering the puzzle at the end, end up getting last. But um, just have to point out that when they initially get to that puzzle, she hilariously walks over and starts trying to help Latarian put his puzzle together. And he just looks at her like, nah, dude, you ain't with me. Like, what are you doing? You're, go away. Um, that was a funny moment, a very good little moment within the challenge. And then also shout out to Easy, who uh, we got to give the respect obviously has the kind of historic moment in the past of the endurance really biting him big time. And on this one, he's looking good throughout. He finishes real strong, runs the individual portion at a brisk pace. Um, you know, we hear him a couple times asked to slow down a little bit near the very beginning of the first team uh, log run, but he's carrying the brunt of that. Um, something worth mentioning, no strategy at all amongst any of the three teams. When you're carrying this stuff, we know this by now. If you're carrying this amongst a group of men and women and a bunch of people of all different sizes and mostly of all different heights, you got to think about the order you are walking in. Where is everyone standing? Where are the tallest people standing? Where are the shortest people standing so that this actually works out easily? And none of the teams get this, which could have helped all of them. The only one that kind of does is Mark's group, but that's mostly just Mark wanted to be in the front because he's the godfather. He wants to be in the front. He wants to, um, but that is where the tallest person, which he pretty much was on his team, should be. Easy's right in the middle on his team, and he's the tallest one. And so he's bearing the brunt of that weight, and everyone else not, you know, has to stand in a much less more awkward position using a hand versus shoulder. Anyways, way too much strategy on something that probably. Doesn't ultimately matter that much, but Easy looked really good and showed a little bit here that maybe that endurance stuff, especially if the final isn't, you know, the full length, let's run 30 miles up a mountaintop in the snow kind of thing that we've become used to, he might have a better shot than he ever did in the past. So shout out to him putting that work in, coming in in great shape. So that's everything for our daily challenge that we want to cover. Let's then move into the elimination or the, excuse me, the deliberation segment. Now we're back at the house, ready for deliberation. And this is where this episode really doesn't just pick up, but takes off into a full-fledged A episode of the challenge. Everything before this is good. It's a good daily challenge. Liked it a lot. A couple fun moments before the daily challenge, but this section here is where things really take off, really heat up. First, we get immediately... Cyrus goes out, puts some ice on his foot. He's still a little mad over the whole challenge, knowing he's going into elimination. Alton, who thinks uh, is buddies with Cyrus, they're roommates at this time, goes out to ask him, yo, sorry that you're in there. Who do you think you want? Cyrus immediately just says, looks like it's going to be me and you. And Alton literally isn't hearing it. Like he literally doesn't, he doesn't seem to actually hear the words that came out of Cyrus's mouth because he just 
ignores it completely and is just like, all right, so you're going to go against easy, right? We're all going to vote for easy. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And then they go back and forth a little bit. Alton just continuing to be like, well, I ain't voting for myself. So I guess you're going against easy Cyrus being like, yo, you're not the only one voting. I'm going against you. You're who I want. You let me down again. We get no explanation from Alton what was causing his struggles. He admits that he didn't do that great, but you know, no explanation as to why he was struggling so much in the, especially so early in this challenge. It would have been one thing if they, you know, the, actually it wouldn't have been one thing, even if he was struggling that bad on the individual run, because that portion seems so much shorter. So it was odd all around. I wish we would have got an explanation. Maybe sometime in the future we will, but a big kind of initial blowout between Alton and Cyrus Cyrus wants Alton. Alton doesn't want to go in, doesn't care that Cyrus is calling him out, wants to just go with easy based on performance, says easy got second to last. Let's put him in. We get to the actual deliberation field, as I'm going to now just call it, the the open field that they have to walk to to do deliberation in order to then get their food delivered to the house while they're out there. And it is by far the fiercest deliberation we have gotten all season long, the only one that's really gotten contentious at all, fierce at all. And, you know, there's a little back and forth. Mark says, hey, Cyrus wants Alton. And, you know, I'm going to respect that. A few people chime in that, yes, that's what Cyrus wants. That's what we've been doing. But I'm Cyrus's friend, too, and I don't want to see him lose. So maybe we don't put him against Alton. Maybe we let take his emotions out of this for him. And maybe we vote for easy based on performance. There's a little bit of back and forth. They eventually, Kellyanne just pipes in. Why don't we just go ahead and vote? And the vote starts out one-to-one both ways. And then out of nowhere, Nehemiah burns his vote on Derek, who immediately burns his vote out of order, just immediately snaps back. All right, fuck you. My vote's for Nehemiah then. So they burn a vote on each other. And we've just got to pause here and wonder, is there something we didn't see um, that they didn't show between these two? Was there something outside of the game, like off camera or something that we don't know about? Because in this moment, one, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Nehemiah burns a vote at all. It doesn't seem like he's, you know, super close to Alton or easy, but he is kind of in an alliance with Cyrus, with he and Jemmy and Beth and Cyrus being a bit of a four-person alliance. So you'd think he'd want to give Cyrus what's he what he wants or and choose Alton or go along with what Jemmy and some of the others are saying of like let's give him who he's gonna beat because we want Cyrus to stay so pick easy and Nehemiah just chooses to burn a vote and then also um, burns it on Derek very aggressively Derek immediately burns it back and they seem like they legitimately don't like each other I mean they flip each other off they're kind of staring each other down and everyone else is just kind of like all right we're gonna get back to figuring out if this is gonna be easier Alton but like what the fuck is going on with you two? Um, and we are left wondering as well. There's no no further comment on that. I don't know that I've seen those two speak to each other individually or maybe even in a group setting the whole season. So don't know what's going on there. Maybe this will be the first moment that we remember an episode or two down the line when they end up going against each other in an elimination or something like that. But odd moment. Uh, eventually, everyone starts to pile on Alton, including even Darrell, who always, as always, has to be the one that he can't be a part of any fierce deliberation. He's got to try to make sure he goes last. He's the last to vote, and it's already over, and he's got to make sure Alton knows, like, hey, it's something personal. We're buddies. You're already going in, so I'm going to say your name, but, like, I love you, dude. 
Darrell, always being that just, hey, I'm just here. I love everyone. I'm not, not in anyone's alliance. I'm not going to vote for anyone. I'm not going to make anyone mad. He's just skating through. We'll talk about him on the power rankings again, but we've got some predictions as far as Darrell is considered coming up later. Alton's going in. He is not happy about it. Upon arriving back at the house, he decides, I'm going to walk in and turn this place on its head. He puts his arm around Yasella. They walk on in. He And on the way in, he lets Cyrus know, hey, it's going to be me and you. I'm fucking ready. Cyrus goes to shake his hand. Alton just walks on by him. Cyrus has some words, too. Let's go ahead and just hear the full interaction, disrespect flying all around. Take it away, Alton, Cyrus, and Letarian. I'll see you in the arena, Cyrus. Really? Oh, hell yeah. Let's get it. May the best man win. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm ready to go, always. After the nomination, Cyrus goes to shake Alton's hand, and he doesn't. Can't shake the wrist I'm gonna break. I'm sorry. You don't like the way it went down. Okay, cool. But don't be disrespectful. We move from this right into the cocktail hour. And that is when we find out that those initial comments from Yasella about uh, Alton kind of catching her fancy a little bit may be going both ways. They're hitting it off a little bit. We get, hey, Coach Mark Long coming in for Cyrus to try to talk him up. And while that little moment is great, we've got to stop everything because during this, I literally... I don't know why this shocked me so much. It's going to sound silly once I say what I'm about to say, but I kind of snapped back in my chair, had to pause the television because over Cyrus's shoulder in the background of the cocktail hour, which they're at their barn bar, they're kind of little off from the house, kind of indoor, outdoor bar, barn-ish type area that is their cocktail lounge for this COVID-filmed season. And we've never got the kind of wide shots of what's all around in the past episodes, but this one over Cyrus's shoulder, there is a large metal cage like that you would find on a playground or very similar to what would be used in the game. Not so fast. The famous elimination game that we've already seen earlier on this season. And I don't know how we haven't seen this before. If it's just out in the yard somewhere, how is it not? How have we not seen anyone playing on it, interacting on it, like, you know, practicing on it, whatever. Um, it's a little bit bigger than what the not-so-fast one would be. It's actually big enough that it's like an elimination could be held inside of it, which I think is something that happened. I'm trying to remember what season they did that, but there was the Dome was the name, I believe, of the challenge or the elimination or you know setting. Um, but it looked like that threw me off guard, and it would have kept me, you know, kept my brain running until we immediately hard cut from cocktail hour to wait. Oh shit, Alton and Yasella are back in the house. Yasella is kind of flirting, kind of touching his foot, but also thinks that they're talking game for a moment until Alton just flat out says, no, 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 what do you think about me specifically? Me and you, what's this? Where are we going? And then they end up in bed together and it's just wonderful. Uh, second time of the season. Now we've got a little romance in the air. It does seem like Jemmy and Nehemiah's has maybe died out some. So now this one is picking up where they left off and I'm just blown away. I, you know, I guess I didn't do a full tally coming in of how many of these people were still single and there's more of them, uh, than I thought. And not only just single, but 
you know, willing to mingle it up a little bit. We just didn't think we'd be seeing. Uh, we haven't seen that much of this on any of the seasons of the challenge recently. And we didn't know that this one was going to be the one bringing that back into our lives, but it is. We love to see it. Alton and Yasella, uh, awesome couple and, you know, seem to like each other and like each other's company. So great for them. Final portion post cocktail hour, post night, uh, possible coitus for Alton and Yasella. And the next day it's elimination day. And Cyrus needs a little pep talk. Well, maybe he doesn't need it, but he's getting it from Coach Letarian. Letarian, the trainer, comes out. He, Mark, and Cyrus standing outside, and Letarian just pumps him up. I want this guy as my trainer after this. He's so intense. He inspires belief in you and everyone around him. And I just, it was such a great moment. I clearly, Letarian is a very good trainer if you're into the very series. I mean, he's in tense in these moments. He's not messing around, but coach Letarian is a coach I want to have on my team at all times. Alton also gets a pep talk. It's from Derek. It's not as inspiring as, you know, coach Letarian was, but uh shout out to Derek in this moment for being such a smart cast member, being a producer in the field. He and Alton aren't exactly super duper close. They're not even staying in the same room, but clearly Derek knows no one else is up there talking to Alton right before the elimination. If I want some screen time, if I want to do the producers a solid here and get Alton's feelings, get him talking a little bit before this elimination, he's now the featured person here. I'll go up and talk to him. No one else is. So shout out Derek. Uh, Those OG super vets really know how this show works and are do a lot of little things like this that brings extra, extra value from them. So that is everything on the deliberation segment. We will then move into our final portion of the show. That is the elimination where we get a big old twist from TJ. And it is double elimination time. We get there and TJ, you know, has been vague throughout the episode. We don't entirely know why but as jemmy in the quote we played for you earlier states you know when tj gets vague when he gets a little bit threatening you know something's coming and we get that news here it's a double elimination this is something we saw coming we've predicted it the last episode or two that at some point either a double elimination or a purge just somehow they were going to have to start taking more people off the show if this thing is only nine episodes long and they've got this many people left so we get the double elimination and we get the full details of that twist that it is the last place guy and girl are going in as a team. So Beth is now in elimination as well, teamed up with her good pal Cyrus and that Alton, the one voted in, is going to be able to pick his partner. And it doesn't, you know, it's not 100% clear, but it does seem like that only one person is going to be voted on by the house, and that person is then going to get to pick who they want to join them in the elimination, which is a super fun wrinkle. I hope it stays that way. I hope it doesn't just turn into a vote for a guy and a vote for a girl. I hope next week is vote on a girl. The girl gets to pick the guy that she wants to come down there and partner up with them. Anissa is chosen by Alton in this moment, which is the absolutely perfect pick it's the only pick in my book um especially they if they get to kind of get a glimpse they're going to be playing the elimination round that beth and Arissa did not 
play. It seems like they just left it there, and they're like, oh, we'll wait around, and we'll do it next time here. So, Beth, you are going to get to do this. They add a twist of the having to jump over the top instead of just go through so that the second person has to do something. The only slight difference between what was explained last week versus this week on this game. But Alton, the only pick here is Anissa. You look back, you see, I don't know exactly what this is, but it's going to involve strength and physicality to some degree. And across the house, Anissa is the female you want in the elimination. We will talk about her elimination record later on in our history lesson. But it was either her or Kellyanne with Kendall off the board, Kendall being safe from elimination, if he would have picked Kellyanne, I would have totally understood. That would have also been a very good pick. But he picks Anissa, smart pick, all in clearly, thinking strategically. Love to see it. He So he and Anissa are in there first, Beth and Cyrus. And we're just going to come right out and say this just, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. And yet again, we find ourselves being completely on Team Cyrus. By the end of this, we'll we'll get to it in a minute. He's very upset afterwards. He wants a physical elimination. He wants something that's a fair, somewhat fair shot. He's coming in with a bum ankle, and now he's asked to climb over top of these legitimately tall and difficult to climb over structures as easy as Alton eventually makes it look. There's no way it's actually that easy. It's Alton climbing. That's why his side of things looks fairly easy, but... Uh, just totally, you know, bad timing with the ankle injury. And, you know, he gets up and over the first couple few, but jumping down from what's, you know, I mean, when he stands, he's got to jump a foot or two to grab the top of that thing. And Cyrus is pretty tall. So I'm mean, these things are definitely eight, nine, 10 feet in the air, jumping down from that on a bum ankle. There was just no chance. Alton and Anissa absolutely dominate. I mean, I don't think anyone up on that dais was beating them in this game. Alton's flying over the top of these things. Anissa is punching her way through one punch through every single time, whipping that medicine ball over the top so Alton can just focus on doing the climbing portion. They're both absolute beasts. Alton's status is instantly back. Everything he had lost by his kind of failures in the daily challenges, instantly back. Everyone is immediately like, yep, that's the beast. That's the athlete we thought we were dealing with, and now we're all scared again. From Anissa's side, I don't know if her uh, status is either back or solidified or was always there. It's been hard to tell. Uh, with the house on the female side, Kendall and a little tiny bit Kellyanne are the only ones getting talked about um, from a physical standpoint at all amongst the women. So I assume they all acknowledge Anissa's record in eliminations and daily challenges, know that she's to be reckoned with. Um, but one way or the other, if they didn't, weren't thinking that, if that wasn't the reputation she had amongst these other women in the house, now it is for sure. So Alton and Anissa get the big win. Beth and Cyrus are gone. Cyrus is not happy about it at all. He vows to be back, vows to get a physical elimination, and wants it versus Alton. Let's go ahead and hear his entire exit interview rant. Not safe for work. Gotta say it. Very, very not safe for work. Take it away, Cyrus. Game is cool. All this shit is cool, but fuck that. I want to get vindicated. I need my one-on-one. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Give me my fucking one-on-one. When I come back, I'm coming back with vengeance. Yeah. This ain't over. I need a physical fucking event next fucking time. One on fucking one, me and that motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. I ain't done with this shit. I'm ready to go. Fuck that. So that's our elimination. Final quick comment here is when they are eliminated, 
we always, in regular season of the challenge, very much pay attention to how TJ says his goodbye to the eliminated players because it's a very good sign of whether or not we think we will see them again on future challenges, especially for some of the younger, the rookie players on the regular seasons. It's a good indicator of if, basically, if TJ is impressed, if the production team was impressed, if they want someone to come back, they'll get a little more lengthy, like, we're definitely going to see you again, that type of thing, versus, uh, you know, take care, hope you had fun, get out and out of here type of thing. And on this show, we haven't been paying as close attention, but this one definitely caught our ear because he very much makes sure to enunciate that we'll be seeing you very soon to Beth and Cyrus. And it just makes me wonder, you know, these they're going on such a quick pace here that maybe are those two going to stick around as mercenaries? And, you know, there's going to be a number, another elimination in what seems like two days. It seems like they're going... Daily challenge, elimination, daily challenge, elimination, every single day almost making this, banging this thing out in a few weeks' time. So I don't know if he just means, you know, there's going to, we already know we're this far into this season. There's going to be all stars two, three, four, five, six. You're going to be back, Beth and Cyrus. Everyone loves you. Or if they're going to be there as mercenaries, or if it was just TJ kind of messing with the rest of the house. Maybe there's a redemption house on this shortened season. There's no way there's a redemption house, by the way, but thought it was worth acknowledging. So that ends. Our breakdown, we will transition then into our awards, best quote, MVP, power rankings, and overall episode grade. So let's move to that. All right, awards time. Starting it off with best quote. You have already heard four. Oh, you've heard all all five of these already. So we've got five nominees. We've played them all for you once. We'll play them all. For you again, we'll run through them in chronological order here and then pick a winner. First up, we've got Jemmy early in the episode explaining what to think about whenever TJ gets vague with his directions. Jemmy? Whenever TJ is vague with his words, you have to pay extra attention because some shit is always about to pop off. Then there was Hisela explaining her relationship to running and letting us know that she's from Florida. Yesela? The only thing I know about running is if an alligator is following you, run in zigzag. I'm from Florida. Um. <laughs> Third nominee, Latarian, laying it down, letting it be known that Kendall is the one to mess with on the female side. She's the one that should have your respect. Latarian? I grabbed Kendall's hand so fucking fast. Shit. I know what kind of monster Kendall is. You're not going to sit there and tell me that the woman that does yoga eight hours a day is soft. She's a fucking beast. Fourth nominee, some beef between Alton and Cyrus. No handshake, not happy with each other. Let's hear that one one more time. I see in the arena, Cyrus. Really? Oh, hell yeah. Let's get it. May the best man it. win. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm ready to go, always. After the nomination, Cyrus goes to shake Alton's hand, and he doesn't. Can't shake the wrist I'm going to break. I'm sorry. You don't like the way it went down. Okay, cool. But don't be disrespectful. And final nominee, that exit interview we just heard from Cyrus. Again, we're going to play it a second time here. Absolutely not safe for work. If you've got kids in the car, turn that volume down. Skip forward about 15 seconds. Cyrus, go ahead and let us know what your feelings were immediately post-elimination. 
Game is cool, all that shit is cool, but fuck that. I want to get vindicated. I need my one-on-one. -on -one. I don't give a fuck. Give me my fucking one-on-one. -on -one. When I come yeah, back, man. I'm coming back with vengeance. Yeah. This ain't over. I need a physical fucking event next fucking time. One-on-fucking-one, -on me and that motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. I ain't done with this shit. I'm ready to go. Fuck that. Five great nominees. Some made us laugh. Some are great narration. All of them are worthwhile of being nominated for the quote of the week. But, I mean, we've got to give it to Cyrus. Last week, we did not give it to Arissa for her epic kind of meltdown, screaming rant post-quitting because she had just quit. This time, Cyrus put it all on the line. He's jumping up and down, climbing over things on a bum ankle. Big dude, that's not good. That's super dangerous. It's super painful. And he was doing it the whole time, knowing that Spider-Man Alton was on the other side, just kicking his butt. So for that, he gave it everything he had. He deserved every right to be super pissed in this moment at the production crew, super pissed at the situation, super pissed at Alton for being a big part of why he ended up there in the first place. So we give him the quote of the week. It's a very, very small consolation prize, but it's something. And Cyrus, you will be missed, as will Beth, too legitimate OGs, loved people from the early days of the show are now gone. So best quote of the week goes to Cyrus. As for MVP of the episode, Cyrus does get some votes there with some great quotes being a part of the beef here, really being at the center of the episode. He definitely gets some votes here, doesn't quite bring home the award. Hisella also attaining some votes, both for uh, the little romantic flair that comes up with she and Alton, as well as being fantastic in the interview. She has been one of them that has really been bringing it in the interviews throughout this season. Also performs adequately during the daily challenge and just overall had a pretty good episode, was very prevalent. So some votes for Yasella. And then also third person receiving votes, not quite getting the title of MVP though, is Letarian, who very nearly stole the MVP of this episode without um, being all that much involved, but the moments he were was were just fantastic. Coach Letarian, we talked about, gotta have him. I gotta, I gotta look him up, see what his rates are. I want to hire Letarian. I don't know where he's based out of, but I'll move there. I want Coach Letarian on my side. Um, hit a couple quotes throughout. We played one of them. He had a nominee for quote of the week. That wasn't his only good one. Obviously, he dominates the daily challenge. That gets him some votes. All of that is nearly enough to steal it, but not quite. The MVP of episode five is Alton. Alton has been in the background all season. The only reason his name's even come up on these podcasts uh, recaps that I've been doing is because I'm so obsessed with him and think he's such an amazing athlete that I can't help but, you know, see him shirtless in a daily challenge and have to talk about that as one of the important things. But he's very much been in the background, hasn't been featured in any way at all. You barely even notice that he's there. And this episode comes front and center. He is a part of the big beef. He has a big romance stir up. He's given some good quotes in, both in, uh, you know, in the actual, I was going to say in real life, it's all real life, but you know, amongst the players and also in the interview chair, he wins the elimination, gives a dominating performance. He has the weird gas out in the daily challenge, which works against him, but also is just so fascinating. And we don't know what the heck was going on that, you know, he was the featured part of that. This episode was the Alton episode. He is the MVP and brings it home for episode five. That brings us right into our power rankings, which 
for the first time. We've said we were going to do this at some point during the season, and that point is right now. We're instead of doing male and female power rankings, we're moving to a gender neutral individual top five power ranking. Now that we're at the stage of double eliminations, we got our first daily challenge that truly came down to an individual winner even they still did the guy and girl individual winner for safety of elimination sake but it came down to an individual race we're getting near that final which is going to be to some degree or not have one winner at the end however they get to that one person who knows but we're switching over to the gender neutral top five power rankings here we go and this is where the one and only real big prediction that I have moving forward is who is in our number one spot. I don't know if should I go from one to five, five to one. I'm going one to five. All right. I just set the whole thing up. Darrell. Darrell is in the top spot on our power rankings. Mark it down right now. This isn't this is the episode that I've just decided Darrell's winning this. It's I it's just clear. Um I I don't have a lot of reasoning for that. It's mostly a gut feeling. I swear there's no, you know, if he actually does go on to win, there's I've not been looking at any spoilers, anything of that nature. It just feels like he's been just involved enough in every episode that the producers aren't letting him fall completely in the background, but he hasn't been a main part of, you know, any of the storylines on any of the episodes and, you know, trying to trying to dig up your own spoilers out of the edit is the only spoilers I'm into. I don't want to get on the, on, you know, online, on the message boards, on the different reality spoiler sites, all that. I don't want any of that, but I do love breaking down every which way they're editing this, who's being made to look how on this. And Darrell, you know, obviously comes in as having as much experience as anyone, having that recent experience, he and Anissa being the only ones that can say they've been on these last few seasons of the real challenge. So he looks the most comfortable physically. He's up there with pretty much any of the guys. Um, Some challenges would be better for him than others, but as a final goes, he's four for four in his history in finals. He looks great right now. He looks so comfortable in just the fact that he hasn't been a part of any of the storylines, but they've made sure, you know, he is a great interview. He's always been super helpful. So that's probably why he's, you know, still been in the interview so much without being a part of the uh, storylines. But Darrell takes my stop spot prediction right here. And now Darrell's winning this season. He's taking home that 500 K second spot on the power rankings goes to Kendall. She's starting to dominate. She's really pulling herself away from all of the other women. So right now, if I were to pick a female that's going to win, it's Kendall. And she also seems to start to be a little more confident in the fact that she is the best female in the house and starting to realize that and kind of seems to be taking it in stride, not getting cocky about it, but letting it kind of fuel her, letting her know that, oh my gosh, I'm I'm going to win this thing. Like I'm, I'm the one to beat right here. So she's number two, Kellyanne. In number three, admits that Kendall is putting a little bit of that distance between them during this episode, but I think she is also the other female that, especially when it comes to the final, everyone kind of looked to her in this mini final daily challenge as the one to run. Kendall even says, like, I expect Kellyanne to just come blowing by me because Kellyanne's a great runner. So I do think if the final is anything with, like, real, real extreme distance, she's going to have a big advantage over not just the ladies but over potentially everyone. Seems like she's the biggest runner of the group, potentially. I'm putting Derek in at number four starting to grow more confident that Derek is going to get to the final. And I think he has 
maybe the best chance. He and Durrell do have the best chance in my mind on the male side of winning that final if they get there. I wasn't sure he was going to always get there. I thought he might end up in some eliminations here. He is not yet. He doesn't look to be targeted in any which way. So, um, you know, I could see him getting picked. I could definitely see one of the ladies picking Derek if they get to pick who comes into elimination with them, and maybe he goes out that way. But uh, starting to look like he might make the final if he does uh, force to be reckoned with. He's number four. And then Anissa, off a big episode, is number five. I said it every single episode. I will say it again. She's a shoe-in for the final. No one is beating her on the female side in an elimination. I guess now that the doubles are going to be two versus two, that opens up the possibility that she could get paired with a partner who kind of lets her down a little bit. But she's making that final. I don't know if she's going to win it. She's going to need to take out Kendall and Kellyanne beforehand, I think, for her to win. But I think she's going to get there, and I think she could. She's smart enough to realize that and realize, hey, y'all, I need to get in that elimination, and you need to give me Kendall and let me get her out of here so that I can win that final. And she's got enough friends in the house that if she decides I'm going to go with this bold strategy, she's got the people to pull off. So top five, Darrell, Kendall, Kellyanne, Derek, Anissa, only other prediction to make right now is we have three elimination rounds left, or we assume um, there's going to be three left. Now we've done the double elimination in episode five. If they were to just stick with a double elimination in episode six, seven, eight, that would get us down to 10 people left for assuming a final in episode nine. 10 people in a final is uh, kind of right where you would think it's been. It's been what it's been in the last few actual seasons of the show. So, uh, I think there's going to be three eliminations left, and my prediction is that those three eliminations are in order. Something, the only one that I'm not saying super specific is the next one is going to be something where the people are strapped to each other, pulling in opposite directions. There's different variations over that game. There's no one name for it, but where you're strapped to each other with the bungee cord pulling somehow, some way, that version, some version of that is going to be the next elimination game. Then we're getting balls in. Then we're ending with Hall Brawl in episode eight. Those are the three elimination rounds left. Again, no spoilers here. I'm, if I act, somehow actually get this right, this is all actual predictions from me, but I think they're going to get back to those classic eliminations for these last few. I think there's no way at this point they did pull Russell at the beginning, so they're not afraid. They're going to do Hall Brawl. I think they're going to definitely do Balls In. And the third one that seems like the obvious one would be something strapped to each other's back with that bungee cord. Overall grade for the episode, the last award here, absolute A. We get bad blood. We get some romance. We get a good daily challenge. We get a good elimination. Even if it was unfair and not competitive, it was a cool elimination. I liked the elimination. Um, So all around, A, performance. We get some twists. Everything about this episode was awesome. An A overall grade. And now with that, that's all the awards. Let's move to our final segment of the podcast. Get out those history books. It's time for a challenge history lesson. All right. This week's history lesson is inspired by the fact that Anissa gets thrown into that elimination and she comes out with yet another elimination victory, which in the show, they uh, TJ lets her know that now she is 11 and 11 in elimination. And we'll come back to, I have her at 12 and 12. We'll come back to uh, where that discrepancy comes from in a minute. But she gets either, by my count, her 12th elimination win by TJ and the challenge producers count her 11th. 
But either way, she gets that challenge win and is one of the most decorated elimination queens we have, as TJ says, in the episodes. One of the most feared people in that elimination, um, especially on the female side. Now, as far as elimination victories go, there has been 484 elimination wins by my count over the years. And my count is a slight bit higher than what the those behind the show would say. The reason for that, what that I was able to ascertain after I heard Anissa's now 11 and 11, I looked at my records, I had her at 12 and 12. I figured out that the reason for that is back on Dirty 30, uh, 30th season of the challenge, Dirty 30, there was a redemption house in play and Anissa got sent to that redemption house won an elimination there. So she lost an elimination, went to the Redemption House, won an elimination at the Redemption House to get back into the game, and then lost another elimination to go back to the Redemption House. So now one and two in eliminations on the season, back in that Redemption House. And then at the very end of that season, there was one big group. It was a it was kind of a, you know, it's a purge daily challenge-esque purge of everyone at the uh, Redemption House that served as an elimination for three people to get back in the game and I think four other, there's seven of them, no, there's uh, eight of them in the Redemption House at that point, ton of them, um, and three of the eight got to go back into the game. The other five were eliminated, and she lost in that, and I count those eliminations at the... Uh, redemption house, both in that season and any season where there was a redemption house of any kind, I count those eliminations as part of your elimination record. And it, after reviewing all the other seasons that Anissa took part in and what her eliminations records were in those seasons, it seems like the only place that my record could differentiate from the challenges official record is those uh, two extra that elimination win and loss from uh, the chat from uh, that season on that daily or the uh, redemption house, excuse me. So I think that's where the discrepancy is happening. But either way, whether you go by their count or my count, Anissa is at more than 10, which of those 484 total elimination wins over the entire history of the show, only five people have ever accumulated double-digit elimination wins. Those people are, in order, Johnny Bananas at 14. He's 14 and 15, and that one is another one that, depending on if you count Redemption House, may be inflated. He has three uh, three or four victories on Battle of the X's 2 on the very first ever Redemption House where they did one-on-one eliminations over and over. Only two, one couple, one pair stayed in the Redemption House. So um, even, again, without counting those or counting those as I do, I have them at 14 and 15, 14 wins um, tied for most victories ever with Cara Maria also at 14. She also has six losses, 14 and six. And Wes at 14 as well. Wes is 14 and 9. So of those three, Bananas, Cara, Wes tied for first. They're your top three most victorious elimination victories ever. But Cara, by far, of those three, has the best record at 14 and 6. Then Anissa immediately after them, fourth most ever. Again, my count 12, their count 11. Either way, fourth most ever. And then fifth was one that surprised me. A little bit. That is Nelson, my guy, Nelson Thomas, 
10 and 4, the fifth member of the 10 Timers Club, 10 elimination wins. And it came a little bit as a surprise just because he's left in such brutal eliminations two seasons in a row now that I kind of had forgotten that he had built up this sterling record within eliminations over his first few seasons. So he's 10 and 4. He got three of those victories, went 3 and 0 on Invasion. Uh, the champions picked up two elimination wins on some other seasons. And then, you know, that 10 and four does include those two brutal heartbreaking losses in hall brawl, both times to Rogan back on total madness and to Fessy on the most recent season of double agents. So Nelson making a claim for being one of the best elimination competitors of all time, really at 10 and four joins or did join during Double Agents, this 10-timers club. Five people have done that. 32 people are in the five-timers club. Five or more wins of those 32 people. Emily Schramm and Sarah Grayson share the title for being the only perfect, uh, you know, five, they're both 5-0. and oh. Um, five other people are at five and one. They have the highest win percentage, though, of anyone in the five-timers club of that 10-timers club. Nelson is the best win percentage at that 10 and four mark with Carr right behind him at 14 and six. So that's a little bit of history about your most decorated elimination victors of all time. That's your history lesson. And that is it for this week's episode. Episode five was such a good one. I can't wait for six, seven, eight, and nine. We've only got four left. We got to really start savoring these. Hopefully by now, everyone should know there's going to be more seasons of All-Stars. We don't have to think this is going to be a one-and-done thing. There's no way. This thing's been a roaring success in every single way. They're still promoting it like crazy across social and on Paramount+. Plus. That's the biggest kind of thing to look for, the biggest indicator we have of whether this show is going to continue and there's going to be more uh, seasons of it, iterations of it, is that they're still pumping it pretty hard on the front screen of Paramount+. Plus. So, Awesome season so far. Awesome episode here. Hope you've enjoyed this recap. Join me back here next week for another. If you want to follow along between now and then for daily content, check us out on Instagram at Challenge Historian for weekly YouTube videos of some challenge history, breaking down all kinds of different subjects challenge related. You can find that on YouTube at Challenge Historian every single Monday. And of course, here the podcast every Thursday after the episode, we'll break it all down for you. Follow along. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Those help a lot. We appreciate them a lot. Thank you so very much for being here. We will see you all again next week after episode six in another double elimination. Have a great one.